Hello and welcome to episode number six of Prosperity by the Pint. I am your host, Bryce Carter. I'm a certified financial planner, chartered financial consultant, certified investment management analyst, and self-proclaimed millennial money expert. This is the podcast where we talk about money, investing, business, and life success, all while having a cold beer. So this week, I want to be talking about why you need to fire your big bank. And I'm drinking a, uh, this is from Rising Tide Brewing Company in uh, Portland, Maine. It's called the uh, the Pilsner, uh, the Back Cove Pilsner. And uh, this is supposed to be a, a nice light beer. It's 5.1% alcohol. And so, cheers. Oh, that is good. So I like IPAs a lot. I usually drink IPAs. But occasionally you need a nice light beer. I, I would I would I would definitely recommend this, especially on a hot day. <laughs> but today is a frigid day. So banks, I am not a big fan, to say the least. So I I have an issue with banks, from the standpoint not all banks, just just big banks. Uh, I I like to do business with institutions, people, and businesses that share I think a similar moral compass to what I have, similar values, and uh, and are going to act in good faith and transparency. And I think that the big banks fail in this category or in that area in every single one of those categories. It's just I just don't – I think they're a necessary evil. We need banks. Um, we probably need really big banks as well. Um, I just don't think us as individual consumers need to use big banks. I definitely don't think us as small business owners, entrepreneurs need these big, these big financial institutions in our everyday lives. So I want to tell you specifically why I do not like the big banks, which is why you should fire them. Uh, it's my opinion, but there's also a lot of facts there. And then I want to tell you some other options, some better options out there than, than the big banks. So do you remember the financial crisis, 2008? Uh, the world was at the brink. Uh, most people don't realize that uh, almost all of our major financial institutions were weeks away from collapse, complete and utter collapse. I mean, this would have been a scenario where you go to the ATM to withdraw money and there's no money. It's, it's, it's a nightmare scenario. It's the Great Depression. That whole thing ended up getting salvaged. I mean, there was a lot of pain there. But it was all, I think what people don't understand is how big of an impact these big banks, these big financial institutions had into building up to this, this uh, financial crisis. I mean, there's there's a lot of technicalities we're not going to get into today about mortgage-backed securities and credit fraud there and different things like that. But the sense is that these major financial institutions went out uh, and they managed their investments very poorly. Their investments in this scenario was mortgage-backed securities to the point where they were going to go bankrupt. So you had investment management firms, that's what banks are. I mean, whether it's a checking account or savings account, we had major financial institutions going bankrupt, essentially, because they could not manage their own investments. So I can't, I I don't know why people keep their investments there today. But this is essentially what I want to talk about is, I, I think these institutions do a disservice to us. So 2008 happened. I think we can all agree that major banks played a vital role in causing the global financial crisis, at least certainly making it worse than what it would have been. People lost their homes. Uh, people lost their jobs. The economy was in the, uh, on the brink of total and utter collapse. And we ended up, as taxpayers, bailing out these banks. $700 billion is, is what 
the TARP program, which is the bailout program, worked out to be. So if I if I can just spend a minute here. So Bank of America, forty five billion dollar bailout from the from the government, uh, which is us, by the way. We're the government. We pay the taxes. Citigroup, forty five billion. Chase and Wells Fargo, twenty five billion each. Morgan Stanley, ten billion. These are huge bailouts. And now, quick Google search. I'm not going to talk about it on this episode. Just do a Google search on some of these institutions and what they paid out in bonuses those years. They paid out to bonuses and executives days after receiving these 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 bailout dollars. So you have financial institution that financial institutions that caused the global financial crisis because they couldn't manage their own investments, then taking a bailout for the government and then providing to their executives who are in charge of the global financial these these global financial institutions bonuses. So they got bonuses <laughs> funded by us. So it just seems to me that these institutions that whole scenario is a perfect snapshot in time of of why we shouldn't trust these institutions. And by definition, if you don't trust them, you should not do business with them. Now, to this day, no major banker has served jail time over actions during or leading up to the financial crisis. And things have continued to happen. I'm going to take a quick pause here, take a sip of the, uh, the, the, the rising tide pilsner here. I'm sorry, it's not the Rising Tide Pilsner. It's the Back Cove Pilsner from Rising Tide Brewing. So things haven't really gotten any better. I mean, there's some there's some things in place now they are supposed to protect us as consumers, consumer, consumer Financial Protection Bureau, et cetera. But let's look at what's happened. People's homes have been foreclosed in an air. This is not this is not just me making stuff up. Quick Google search will produce articles uh, pertaining to these kind of things. Whistleblowers have been fired by institutions. I mean, people at all the major banking institutions tried to blow the whistle on some of the credit uh, defrauding that happened. Wells Fargo. I mean, some estimates are at 3.7 million fake accounts. I mean, how infuriating is that, that your personal information was taken? They created fake accounts in your name to meet sales and bonus numbers. Now, I feel bad for these tellers that are making 10 12 $15 an hour. You know, they're the ones that are suffering because when Wells Fargo, if they close branches, you know, those people lose their jobs. And, you know, what ended up happening at the end of the day is you see a CEO resign with a golden parachute and they put the next guy in charge, the CFO usually. And so there's not really any real accountability here. Um, some of the major financial institutions, HSBC, has been uh, charged with money laundering for terrorist groups and cartels. Uh, I mean, there's just a laundry list of issues. Uh, Me Too movement issues coming out of these banks. I mean, I guess in this day and age, there's not really many industries that are immune to that. But I, I think when you start adding all these other things up, you realize that these institutions are not uh, what we need to be doing business with. Now, despite the fact that there has not been any uh, banker doing jail time over this, they're, they're, we know that illegal things happened. So take, for example, fines. They don't issue fines for doing illegal things. They issue fines for doing illegal things. So let's take the – if you take the tally, uh, tally of the fines paid by these institutions dating back to actions leading up to the financial crisis, Bank of America, $76.1 billion dollars. And fines. JP Morgan, 43.7 billion. Citigroup, 19 billion. Deutsche Bank, 14 billion. Wells Fargo, 11.8 billion. The list goes on and on and on. So, this is why I hate the greedy cesspool institutions that are our biggest banking institutions. I just, I just can't stand them. And so, what I think you have to look at as an individual or a business owner, uh, when you're providing 
for your family and you're providing for your customers and you're trying to do the best job that you can is you want to morally align with somebody that's going to be doing business the way that you do business and have a mutual respect there. Now, it doesn't mean your teller at one of these banks is a bad guy or the bank branch manager is a bad person, but they're answering to the top at the end of the day. And there's no reason to use these institutions anymore, quite frankly. I mean, if we take a look at um, interest rates, so like interest rates on your savings and checking checking account, you probably have a savings or checking account and it's probably paying next to zero interest with some fees on there. There's no reason to have that at a big, big institution. You can use... Uh, CNBC came out with this uh, article recently showing that you can earn 17 times as much interest by using an online bank. 17 times. That's not a small number. I mean, so take a checking account that's earning 0.1%. I mean, you uh, or a savings account that's earning 0.2, 0.25% interest and, and throw that money in an online, saving, uh, online savings account bank and, and earn two, two and a quarter percent interest, uh, you know. It just seems to me silly that we're still using these institutions. So then, I mean, on the other side of things, okay, you don't want to bank online. Understandable. Use a local credit union. Credit unions are nonprofits. They're in our communities. They're, uh, you know, the, the CFO is probably the the husband or wife of one of our school teachers. These these are small institutions that are ingrained in our community. They do a lot of things. Uh, for the community. I know my, a couple of my local credit unions give to charity actively. They sponsor baseball teams. They do all those kind of things. And so they're a much more community-oriented bank, in my opinion. They have the same type of uh, insurance coverage. It's not through FDIC like like banks are, but it's through the National uh, Credit Union Association, which ends up ha- insuring those accounts up to 250000 just like FDIC. There's a lot more flexibility when it comes to loans. And there's study after study showing that Credit unions have better interest rates. They have better loan rates. They have better. Uh, they have lower fees uh, because they're not profits. You you are essentially you're a member. Uh, you're kind of like a member owner. So, I really am a firm believer in online banks or credit unions as opposed to these huge global financial institutions that, quite frankly, have have poorly served us as as, as American consumers and business owners. So, another another beer sip break here. This is really this is delicious. Okay, so it's pretty pretty easy to shop online for online banks. Uh, I mean, you don't have to you don't have to settle when it comes to size. You can get a large online bank. You can have a small online bank. Credit unions. I guarantee there's one in your community. And I just think it's really something to consider. So I look at it and say, our generation, my generation, the millennials, have killed so many industries. I mean. T- Hotel industries are suffering. Many restaurant, uh, traditional restaurant chains are, are suffering. Um, you look at the taxi cab business being disrupted through Uber. All these different businesses are being disrupted, and I really haven't seen financial institutions, the large ones, disrupted yet by, by the massive market that is millennials. So I think it's only a matter of time before we really end up disrupting this industry. And so I think it starts one piece at a time, though. I think that as we start to look at situations where we're using online banks for checking and savings, I think that when we start to use Venmo more, which is already happening, uh, you know, uh, money share apps and things like that, that we're starting to have less and less and less of a need for these institutions on our daily life basis where we're doing cash and, and credit card transactions. So if that's the case, then the only other area in which we would need these institutions is for loans. And if we've already 
determined that you can probably get better rates on a loans at an online bank or a credit union, then what's the point? So I really think that, that this might be the next industry that millennials end up killing. So I'm going to conclude with this is you have a moral compass as an individual. You certainly have one as a business owner. And if it's about transparency and mutual respect and, and, and trying to do what's best for your consumer, and it's not always about the bottom line, then you're probably a person that sits back and say, I want to do business with somebody that has or institutions that have a similar moral compass and values as I do. And if that's the case, you probably should be firing your big bank. That's it. I don't know what the if, ands, or buts about it. I get it. It's a little bit of a hassle change where your automatic transactions happen. That's okay. It takes a little bit of hassle to do things the right way in your daily business, you know, in your daily life. So, you know, take a little minute, find an online bank, find a credit union, move your money, fire your big bank. Let's kill that industry next. That's this episode, folks. So real quick, make sure you subscribe to Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, YouTube, wherever you're listening to this. We're building a community here of like-minded millennials and young people that are business owners and want to be successful and like to drink beer. And uh, I'd love to have you subscribe to the podcast. Thanks and cheers.